welcome to The Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. We will continue with um, peace and rest consciousness and we will begin to pay emphasis to the rest side of things. Now for the average human being, for the secular human being, rest for them is a function of doing something and getting tired. Right? Doing something, getting tired, so needing to rest and refresh. For the believer, rest is not a function of getting tired. The rest is a function of getting revelation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. The believer does not rest because he's tired. The believer rests because he knows. Are you here? The believer rests because he knows. Not because he or she is tired. In other words, the believer does not need to be tired to rest. Because the believer's rest is not a function of the believer's effort. Do I have your attention now? Yes, sir. Good. The believer doesn't rest because he's tired. The believer rests because he knows. He comes into the knowledge, the understanding, the revelation of something. That, that knowledge, that understanding, that revelation brings him into rest. The believer comes into understanding of something. Therefore, the believer's rest is not just like the believer's peace. Just like the believer's righteousness, he's not self-generated. The believer is not resting because they've done something and they're tired or they've completed it. The believer is resting because they know something. Oh, I'm tired. I've been working all day. It's time to rest. That is not the concept of rest in the kingdom. The context of rest in the kingdom is I am not doing nothing. I never did nothing. I don't need to do nothing because I know something. Are you here? So we spend time to talk about peace, right? We busted the myth that peace was a state of mind. Said it's not a state of mind because it's imputed to your spirit. And therefore it is a state of spirit because it's the divine state or the cosmos of God. It is the place of divine equilibrium. It is the place where chaos is not allowed to enter. And we understand that everything about what Jesus did was to pay for our peace. Right? So Jesus is our peacemaker and Jesus is our peacekeeper. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Jesus is our peacemaker. He's our peacekeeper. He's our peace. And because we are possessed by the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of Christ, we have the peace of Christ. Right? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Ephesians 2, rather, 14, who was broken down. The middle wall of partition has made one man out of the two. He is our peace. Jesus Christ came preaching the gospel of peace. He preached peace because he is the prince of peace. Isaiah 9, 6. Right? He reconciled us to God and reconciliation is the making of peace. He fought the war. He cannot have said to have defeated something if he didn't fight. Does that make sense? He won our peace as a man. Jesus did not win as a God. You must understand that. Are you hearing me now? He did not be. 
become God. It was God that became man. Are you following me now? He did not become God. It was God because Paul says to Timothy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. And the word, John 1, became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us. He did not become God. God became flesh. Right? Shepherd the church of God as those that God made you oversee as over Acts 20, 28. As those that he paid or purchased with his own blood, the blood of God. Acts 20, 28, the blood of God. Now, how did God's blood run? Okay? In flesh. So, God became man. Does that make sense? God became man. But he did not become God. He has always been God. All the time. Right? All the time. So, he, he, it is as a man that Jesus won. Because it is as a man that Adam fell. It will not have been fair game if a man fell at what God knew a man should succeed at. And then he then sends a God with superhuman powers to succeed at what man fell. That is God then establishing that in reality man couldn't succeed. Are you following me now? If it was God that won the battle Adam lost, then this God establishing that it was nothing that man could have ever succeeded at. Does that make sense? So the first Adam messes up, the the second Adam fixes the mess as Adam. Prototypical Adam. Protos first. Okay? So Jesus came and became, God became man. Every lash, every bruise felt it as a man. As a man. Not as a God. It would not have been fair game. Why was he doing all of that? He was winning a war over sin and death. Conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave. Somebody cannot declare victory who didn't fight a war. Are you following me now? Now when he wins that war, what what has he earned? Peace. So he gives me the spoil of his victory. Peace. With God. Because he who wins a war has earned peace. Does that make sense? Nobody fights who has peace. They are only fighting to get peace. That's what Jesus did as a man. Took on sin, death, hell and the grave. Beat the crap out of it. Match them naked on the street. According to Colossians 2 in the message. Got before the holiest place. Slaps it there and he says it is finished. The war. Then like wisdom said. Some religious person will now wake up and tell you. You two you still have your own battle to fight. Once the battle is won. Peace is declared, you step into rest. Are you following me now? What follows the peace that is gotten after a war is fought is rest. Somebody say rest. Rest. I've said to you that that rest, (laughs) 
It's not what you got into because you're tired. Are you here? Let me get into today. <laughs> Are you ready? The Hebrew word in the Old Testament for rest is the word nuach, which is like spelling ruach, which is breath or spirit. But instead of an R at the beginning, it's an N. Nuach. N-U-A-C-K. Phonetically called nuach. You got it? And it simply means to rest or to be settled. Are you here? To rest or to be settled. Or to come into settlement. You will remember that the word settlement is also another word that defines peace. So stay with me. The fun is just getting started. Noach, to rest or be settled. There's another word. I'll come to that in a bit. Exodus 33, 14. I'll give you a quick example. That was a scripture that um, Victoria referred to when she was speaking earlier about Moses' banter with God. Exodus 33 and 14. Are you there? Um, go from 13 just to get a pretext. Now, therefore, I pray, this is Moses, to God, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. If I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. 14. And he said, this is God. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's the work. Settlement on every side. Another word though for rest which is very significant and is going to occupy all our time today, is the word tisboth. T-I-S-B-O-T-H. T-I-S-B-O-T-H. Tisboth. There are many other derivatives, you know, adjectives, pronouns, whatever. Now, tisboth is from the root word shabbat. I said the phone is just beginning. S-H-A-B-A-T. Tisboth is from the root consonant is pictorial in nature, such that the Hebrew language spelling is not about pronunciations and phonetics like English and Greek. It's about images and meanings. Right? So each consonant in the Hebrew is an image. So a meaning is derived from a combination of imagery. Does that make sense? Yes. So you can see three consonants or three images and then they, they look like the same thing, sound like the same thing until a fourth one is different. It's the difference that distinguishes the meanings of this as being different from each other. That's why a word has or can appear to have multiple meanings or a wide stream of meanings because it's an imagery that it paints. Are you following me now? Alright, so that's why a word like Tishboth can derive its root from a word that doesn't sound like it. Does that make sense? It's a combination of, of the consonants, combination of the imagery, and what they signify in Hebrew. So one image can mean this in this context and can mean that in the other context. When you put this with another image, another consonant, it can then change it to mean that. Does that make sense? Okay, so the word also used, translated rest, is the word tishboth. But tishboth derives from the word shabbat. Tishboth means, and this is where we're going to dwell for the next few moments we have, 
And I hope you'll understand rest from that. Tisboth means to seize and desist. And this is a legal phrase. We have lawyers in the house. There's something called a cease and desist order. Or a stay order. Cease and desist means you're doing something, but I need to stop what you're doing and maintain status quo. Does that make sense? So the word tease both means to seize and desist and therefore to rest. Or let me put it this way. Tease both can imply to rest by seizing and desisting. You're doing something, you're doing something, and I say to you, stop it. The moment you stop it, you enter rest. So that rest is not the rest of you laboring. It's the rest of you coming under order to stop what you're doing. Does that make sense? Seize, desist, and therefore come into rest. This is the concept that informs the Sabbath. Are you here now? Seize and desist. Stop what you're doing. We see a, a, the first time the word Tisboth is rendered or Shabbath is rendered in, in the Old Testament is in Genesis 2. Who it was used of is very instructive. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them. Look at that word. Where? 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 Please stay with me. All the host of them were. All the host of them were. Verse 2 therefore. And on the seventh day. God ended his work. Which he had done. Because the things were. The things were. The things were. Telioso is the word for finished in the New Testament Greek from which Jesus screamed telai teteles. It is. Because what Jesus created was the new creation. What God created here was the first creation. Stay with me. It's one message. The whole thing will come together for you. One message. I was teaching in the pastor's conference and I, I made a statement. I said creation only happened because of redemption in view. You will not have understood or be able to appreciate redemption in the absence of creation. So God goes through this whole trouble of doing the first creation and doing tangible things and seeing the tangible things give you tangible results and seeing the tangible results messed up by the fall and seeing the fall bring about tangible consequences so that when the more tangible comes, even though it seems to be intangible, you can appreciate it because you have understood what was tangible. We cannot call you new creation if there was not first an old creation. We cannot say that you are married to Christ and you will understand it if we didn't institute human marriage between man and woman. So we institute human marriage between man and woman so that by the time you understand it, you can appreciate what God intends to form between Christ and the church. So to understand redemption, you must have gone through creation. The parallels are very stark. Darkness in the first creation, darkness in the new creation. Spirit of God are walking in the old creation. Spirit of God are walking in the new creation. 
the word working in the old creation, we are born of the word of God in the new creation. Yes, Parallels are all there. That's so I said, if you read the Old Testament, you don't see Christ. Shut up, sit down, read again. Yes, sir. I'm in a hurry. Yes, sir. So the work was finished. Genesis 2.1. And therefore in verse 2, God realized there has to now be an end to the work. Because the work is finished. I can't keep walking when work has finished. So God ended the work which he had done. And he is both. He ceased and desisted. In other words, God stopped walking. And because he stopped walking, what does that usher him into? Rest. And he rested on the seventh day. Are you here with me? He is both, ceased and deceased, and therefore entered into rest. Because he had finished. So he ended. This is the ordinance he passes down to Israel. An archetype of the church. The church in the wilderness. Exodus 34. Are you here in Christ's experience? I love God's word, man. Exodus 34. So God obviously appears to Moses um, on the mount. You know when he hides him in the cleft of the rock? makes his goodness pass by him and declares his name and everything. And then he starts to give him a few instructions. And then we get to verse 21. And you see God tell Moses to tell Israel, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day, seventh day, you shall rest. On the seventh day you shall cease and desist. Just like on the seventh day, God rested. In plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. Rest, it is both. Shabbat. Are you here? I do not subscribe to biblical numerology because as much as it has a compelling argument, it is not consistent enough to form doctrine. Okay? This is why I, a schooled and read theologian, it's from a place of information that I choose to not subscribe. Not from a place of ignorance. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The world is all about those who know and those who don't know and therefore serve those that know. That's the truth. Your boss is your boss. Try as your lecturer, ordinarily speaking, because they know a level of knowledge that you don't. Your lecturer is your lecturer because your lecturer has gone ahead of you in the particular field that he's trying to teach you. So some of us choose to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. It's not because that's the only thing we can preach. So the issue with biblical numerology as a, as a doctrinal subject is that it is not consistent enough to be doctrine in faithfulness with the entirety of the word of God. Another branch of study of theology that is not consistent enough, even though it has its merit, is what is called the law of first mention. And the law of first mention simply defined means that each time a word or a concept is introduced in scripture, it is introduced within the framework of how God intends for that concept to be understood and interpreted for the rest of scripture. Because that was the first time a word is mentioned, pay attention to how it was mentioned, pay attention to what it was used, because that defines the understanding and interpretation of that concept all through the Bible. Does that make sense? 
the, uh, so by the time it, it lands on a juicy word like worship, for instance, because the word worship is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 22. Abraham is going with Isaac to sacrifice him on, on Mount Horeb. And then he says in verse 5, you know, stay here. I and the lad, he's telling his two, two servants, stay here. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Abraham was going to kill Isaac and therefore he says, I will go and worship. He calls the sacrifice of Isaac worship. So Paul now comes in Romans 12 and 1 and says, I beseech you therefore by the message of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of worship. So, yeah, it kind of, kind of makes sense. It's really cool. But that might not be the same for other such words or other such concepts. Does that make sense? Because some of those words will, might culminate in or expire in the fulfillment of what Jesus did. Like Genesis 13, Melchizedek and Abraham. That Abraham gave Melchizedek one-tenth. Therefore, if you are the son of Abraham, but that theology right there will be faulty. Because you say to me that we must do what Abraham did. Well, Abraham lied and said his wife was his sister. You are the son of promise of Abraham. You have to lie to be Abraham's son. We're in problem. You understand? Yes, Elijah said to them, if Baal be God, follow him. <laughs> if God be God, follow him. So you can't one minute say, I'm following Abraham. And then stop and say, no. I can't follow Abraham here. I can only follow Abraham there. There's a problem. Yes, the one thing, one thing that links us to Abraham, I'm not talking about us today. Is Abraham's believing the gospel when he heard it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. First man to receive what was by grace through faith. Simple. God did not appoint Abraham to be anybody's mentor in anything. Because that same Abraham who believed before me had to wait for me to be made perfect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hebrews 11. Are you here now? Yes, so, not, hey, Father Abraham has many children, many children have Father Abraham. I am one of them, so are you. So let us present. Oh. Oh. So, I would have to in department in this church. Sit down, learn to put your behind on a chair. You may not understand all I'm saying, but you know that I'm saying. You'll grow into it. You'll grow into it. Because the Bible says we are heirs of Abraham, Galatians 3, according to the promise. Not according to his behavior. Not according to his action. According to the promise. So what links you to Abraham? The promise. Not his lifestyle. Not what he did. What he believed. Because he was the first person to believe. The first person to be born again in advance. 
Because Hebrew means he who has crossed over. That's the meaning of Hebrew. Genesis 14, 13. Then one who had escaped, this is the first time it's mentioned, came and told Abram. That's the first time the word Hebrew appears in the Bible. And it refers to one who has crossed over. Or one who has been translated. Like we have been from life to death. So, so, so that was a token of what was coming that Abraham received because he believed. Hence Hebrew. That's why the writer of Hebrews had a problem with the Jews who would not believe what Abraham had believed. That's why Hebrews is addressing them. Does that make sense now? So what links you to Abraham is, is believing. Nothing else. I don't have to live in tents because Abraham lived in tents. Are you following me now? I don't have to kill my son or, or try to kill him because Abraham did. Because he's my father. I don't have to lie that my wife is my sister because Abraham did. I don't have to run away from a place because there's famine. Because Abraham did. That's not what links me to Abraham. It is the promise. The believing of Abraham, not necessarily the doings thereof. Are you following me now? So the law of first mention can have, can have some loopholes. On account of that, I personally do not subscribe to it. Because I believe the, the scripture can be fully understood without setting formulae. Right? If the people to which it was written understood it without theology as a branch of art or science, then in today's day and age, you can also understand it. I repeat, that is not to say that they do not have merits. I just showed you some merits of both the yeah, law of flesh mention, you know, biblical numerology, and all of that. Okay? Now, coming back to biblical numerology, the Hebrews were big on numbers. Okay? The Hebrews were very big on numbers. I told you that Hebrew is based, heavily based on pictorial understanding, right? Or pictorial comprehension or imagery. So you see a lot of, I mean, I can show you stuff in, 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 in the Bible that will make you feel like, wow, you know, um, I will just show you how to decode the Bible. You know, like, hey, man, this thing's here, this thing's here, is there, this number is there, like that and that and that and that, you know. And you'll be like, oh, that's really so cool, you know. But no, you don't need that. Hebrews were, or Jews were, big on numbers. Now, God walks for six days, and on the seventh day, he rests. Then he tells them to walk for six days, and on the seventh day, they rest. He goes as far as telling them that they're going to do this for all their generations. In other words, whenever you, it's the seventh day, you must rest, or you must cease and desist. Are you here? In ancient Jewish culture, the number seven, which is what has been, um, shall I say, inculcated or injected into charismatic Christianity, the number seven signified or implied completeness and wholeness. Moses wrote Genesis. Moses received Genesis. Moses wasn't there in Genesis. So we must be careful to not box God to concepts that came after him. So, God walked for six days. 
rested on the seventh day. You then come later and say seven is the number of completion. Be careful. Because God happened before your concept happened to interpret what God happened. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, before you now stand and say seven is the number of completion, the, the question is, who said? Because God had done his thing before you even arrived to define what it is. Sense? For instance, the oldest book of the Bible is Job. You know Job lived before Moses? The oldest book of your Bible is Job. Job lived before Moses. That means Job lived before Jacob, before Abraham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before you now come and say, okay, three means grace, five means apostolic, twelve means discipleship. See, calm down. These things have existed for a long time. So, theology is study. We can just give you deductions. Does that make sense? Not doctrine. Are you following me now? Deductions. Conclusions. So, if I was going to refer to such things, I would say this thing connotes this. Not this thing means this. Every time you see seven means completion, you're in trouble. Because the person that showed you what you are trying to define did not say it. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. It's people that came centuries, if not millennia later, that are now trying to look at this thing and say, okay, three can mean this, 40 can mean that, 12 can mean that. When it happened, it wasn't there. Does that make sense? So it's easy to be misled by looking for symbolisms and numerology. Are you following me now? 666 means 666 million different things. To 666 million different people. Yes, yes, Most of them are wrong. Most of the interpretations of 666 are wrong. Almost every single interpretation of Antichrist is wrong. Almost every single interpretation of hell is wrong. So we calm down. And we follow the Bible gently by gently. Are you hearing me? We are students for life, oh. That's why you wonder why, why Pap takes his time. We, we are not rushing. Yes, sir. We'll spend all our lives becoming the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are we running too much? Next Sunday, we're here. Yes, sir. You understand? The following Sunday, we're here. We stay in the word. Yes, sir. Tell anybody we stay in the word. <laughs> so it communicates or it connotes a sense of completion completeness or fullness right now I'll explain to you I said earlier on in Hebrew that it's very pictorial it's imagery based you know we teach and want to sound high and deep and we don't want you to know how we are arriving at what we are arriving at so here's the, here's the deal the four consonants that make up the number seven or the four Hebrew pictures that are combined to show you that what we are trying to show you is seven. Right? Are the same four consonants or the same four pictures that combine together to show you the word for complete. Does that make sense? In other words, if you put the four letters that form the number seven in in Hebrew and put the four letters that form the, the word complete, in Hebrew, they appear to be the same. Does that make sense? 
Hence the conclusion that seven has to mean complete. Tying that with the fact that Jesus, God rested on the seventh day, adds credence to the fact that seven can mean completion. Because in the Hebrew, they look the same. Seven, complete. Are you following me? They look the same. Hence, that if you allow yourself to be swayed by it, fine. If you like, are like me that are indifferent, fine. But I'll come back to this concept later. Are you with me? Bear that in mind, right? Seven means complete. Bear in mind we saw in Genesis 2, the work, the host of it was finished. Then he ended his work and rested. Right? Seven can mean or can connote completion, fullness. Right? It is both from the word Shabbat. New Testament, the word rest. In the New Testament, New Testament is written primarily in Greek. And the word is katapausis. K-A-T-A-P-A-U-S-I-S. Katapausis. K-A-T-A-P-A-U-S-I-S. Katapausis, from katapau. And, interestingly, it means to cause to cease. To cause something or someone to cease. Similar to this, this both, right? It also means to restrain. To restrain. To cause to cease, to restrain, and to settle down. To settle down is not when you marry. Because that's how you can marry. You'd be unsettled up. <laughs> You'll be unsettled up for the rest of your life. Some of you were settled until you married. Yes, sir. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Paul warned about it. He just didn't listen. He warned about it in First Corinthians 7. Drew your ear. If you're not marrying the Lord, don't marry. You must remind the Lord in the man or the Lord in the woman. If you're not marrying the Lord, don't marry you. Better for you to stay single. If fire is burning you, then you can marry. Catapulses to cause to decease, to restrain, to settle down. I wrote here. Therefore means rest is always from something. You are resting from. If rest means to cease, to desist, to stop, to restrain, it means you. If you are resting, you are resting from. Does that make sense? The concept of rest is such that you are resting from something. No one rests who hasn't been working. You are resting. What did you do? Nothing. I just need to rest. No one rests who's not been doing anything. You rest from something, right? Rest, therefore, as we see from Scripture, is the end of work. Are you here? Rest is the end of work. Say it again. Can we all say that together? Say it again. 
Mm -hmm. Rest is the end of work. God put an end to the work he had been doing and rested. Because he had been working. So he rested from his work. Pay attention. We rest from work. Rest is the end of work. It signifies that the work is done. Rest signifies that work is done. Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 1 through to verse 10. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land. Pay attention, word abiding house, which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. The land God is giving you, fathers to possess. All the days you live on the earth, keep going. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. On the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. But you shall seek the place. Somebody say the place. place. Where the Lord your God chooses. Hmm. Out of all your tribes, he will choose a place to put his name. Twelve tribes. Out of your tribes, I will choose a name. I put my name there. So when scripture later says, out of Judah have I called for a... Out of Judah have I called forth my son. Referring to who? By God highly exalted who? Philippians 2. And gave him? Not a name. Gave him the name. Out of your tribes. I will choose where to place my name. So I say don't blink. Oh. Let's continue. Give me the verse again. Please read with your eyes open. See, see, nobody should deceive you that you should not get excited when you hear the word. They are lying to you. They are lying to you. When something leaps in your spirit, allow it to find expression. Allow it. Of course, don't do it empty handedly, but it's not how the word can hit you and you don't respond with a level of exorbitant. No, no, don't, do, don't, don't let anybody deem that. Keep your eyes open. That's why I tell you in Word and Life, when you're reading the Bible, don't just read. You can't just be reading the Bible and say, these are the statues. So don't, it's not English. It's life. Are you hearing me? It's life. If you treat the word as life, life will come to you. If you treat it as literature, information will come to you. There will never be a day where I'm not excited by God. No. Who am I trying to prove for? Who? No. The word of God excites you. Let it excite you. Open your word. Read it with delight. Things will be jumping out at you. A son of God can never say the word of God is boring. You can say we have taught me. I have been taught too much. No, no. You can't have enough. The treasures is a big treasure trove. Man. Take your time, really. Allow it to jump out of you. Yes. You just like a light bulb. Boom, this means, oh, this is why, this is why. 
all of a sudden there'll just be a chain of understanding. Straight. I just showed you one. Put the verse back in MC. The, you shall seek the place. All the things that happened to you happened where? What's the location? A place is called a location. No, a location is a place. All that happened to you, where did it happen? Where did it happen? We taught it here. Christ, my location. The place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes. His name for his dwelling place. And there shall you go. Keep going. There you shall take your burnt offering, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Keep going. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today. Every man is doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 10. But when you cross over, Hebrew, when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you, Colossians 12, 1 12. Now giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The inheritance was not Canaan. The inheritance was not Canaan. Canaan was not the promised land, just like Isaac was not the promised son. Let's continue. In the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety, then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, the tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to the Lord. Now all these are fulfilled in Christ. Verse 12 on the last verse. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gate, since he has no portion, no inheritance with you. Go back to verse 10. When you cross over and dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from. He gives you rest from. From, are you here? Go to 25, chapter 25, verse 19. It's coming together in a few minutes. 25 and 19. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies, in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess, as an inheritance that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, when he has given you rest from your enemies. You unravel me with a mystery. You surround me with a song of deliverance. You surround me with a song of deliverance. Don't let the, the pulse of the flow. 
You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. Your enemy is not for the person in your village. Because the woman that wrote it does not have enemies from his village. So you cannot interpret it according to what's happening in your village. So the scriptural understanding of enemies are sin and death. You told Cain, he says, sin lieth at the door. It desires to have you. That's your enemy. No human being is your enemy. So if anybody says that your enemy, just feel sorry for them. And pray the love of God upon them. They don't know what it means to be an enemy. They know your enemy cannot afford what it takes to be your enemy. If they understand the cost of being an enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, if they understand the cost implication of being your enemy, they will never want to do it. No. They are saying they are enemy because they don't know. So you can't be afraid of them. Just feel sorry for them and love on them. They can't, no human being can afford to be enemy. No. Jesus defines it now. Hebrews don't come and says the last enemy to be defeated is death. Yeah. Enemy has been defined in scripture. When humans were called enemies, there were types and shadows. Who did God ever tell Israel to fight? Anybody that stood against obedience to Christ. Anybody that stood against God's will for Israel. Isn't it just go around fighting? I showed you last week. He said, when you get to a place, announce the peace. In other words, preach the gospel. So Israel annihilated human enemies as a type and shadow of how sin and death and rebellion and dissension will be alienated by Christ. And he did it without carrying a sword. He did it by going to the cross. Are you here now? No, no, hey, enemies. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. What took care of fear? Love. There's no fear in love. For perfect love, cast out fear. It's not faith that deals with fear. It's love. <laughs> the opposite of fear is not faith. It's love. There's no fear in love. For perfect love, cast out fear. For where fear is, there's torment. And when his love came and you got saved, fear checked out. Because enemies are defeated. You have been delivered. That brings you into rest. Are you here now? Gives you rest from your enemies. Rest is from. I said, I said earlier that rest is derived as a result of fighting to restore the peace. Joshua 14 and 15. Joshua 14 and 15. And the name of Hebron was formerly called Kijah Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. See that sentence. Then the land had rest from war. You see that? Rest is always from. Joshua 21, 43 to 45. Are you there? Joshua 21, 43. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. 
and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. 44. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. They had rest round about from all their enemies because a fight had been won. So rest is to cease and desist from work and from labor. Rest is to enter into settlement because peace is restored. Rest is to enter into settlement because peace is restored. I said earlier, one does not rest because they are tired, but because they are done. Right? Because they are done. And what does this mean for the believer who enjoys the peace of God? The peace of God ministered and imputed by Jesus Christ through the agency of the Holy Spirit. What does this mean when we say the believer has rest? Let's go back to the seventh day. Jizboth. Shabbat. From which we get the word Sabbath. Seventh day. God said, I'm instituting this seventh day as a day of rest to be kept by all generations. So somebody will come and argue and say, well, the law is enforced because God said we must keep the Sabbath for all generations. Because when God walked, he rested on the seventh day. So therefore we should rest every seventh day. Did God rest every seventh day? Or did he rest on the seventh day? <laughs> so if you are resting every seventh day, you are only taking a time break. Time break. Time break. Time break. Time break. Short break. Short break. Short break. Because you rest on your seventh day and on day one you go right back to work. So your timed breaks were just types and shadows of the rest. Shabbat. Sabbath of God. God showed you how to rest by resting once. He didn't show you how to rest by resting regularly. Just like your pieces echoing and echoing God's rest is perpetual. God does not have days of rest. God has the day. <laughs> of rest. Seventh day. Let's now borrow from remonology. The day of completion. The day of finishing. If it had taken 19 days for God to finish, on the 19th, he would have said he's finished. Arrested. So it doesn't matter how many days God took. The reason why it's the seventh day is because he just used six days. <laughs> That's why I said hold this thing carefully. Don't, do you understand what I'm saying now? It's a seven, 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 seven. Calm down. He could have done it in five days. And in, in 13 days. And then day 14 would have been the day of rest. It whatever day that he said is the day of rest, that day is complete. 
And therefore, according to Hebrew culture, that day can become day seven. Because seven means... <laughs> because that is the day that signifies work finished. See, there's a branch of theology that argues that Genesis 1 and 2, in fact, all of Genesis didn't actually happen. Yes. They're just, it's just um, allegories that bring out the redemption story. Now, I don't subscribe to that school of thought because there's historical proof for stuff that happened in Genesis. But it could have been any amount of days that Jesus used, that God used to create. It don't mean no difference. The moment you tell a Hebrew man it ended this day, that day is day seven. That's the day of completion. The number doesn't matter. That's shall the day that this thing finished. Not necessarily day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day the day that we're no longer working, Shabbat. Does that make sense? Now I'm going to go ahead of myself. But from creation... Till they cross six days. Anyhow, you want to count it. Basically, from day one, as long as we are walking, it's day one to day six. The moment the work is done, day seven. Are you understanding now? Now, according to numerology, it even gets more interesting. If I want to sit in numerology, because from creation to the cross was actually 6,000 years. Hold up. Scripture says a day. Six days. Creation was about redemption. So he finished physical creation. But physical creation was just a token of what was set up for redemption. So you could not have had permanent rest inside these six days because God was still working. So your Sabbath can just be six days. Seven days you will rest. One day one you will go back to work. Because all your resting is inside the working of God. Until the cross. Does that make sense now? So Israel will keep Sabbath every day seven. No. Creation. Physical creation. Ended in six days. God rested on the seventh. Physical creation. But the new creation, all of the working of the first creation, plus the spoiling of that creation, was all inside maybe day one of the new creation. So God rested from the old creation or the first creation after six days. Does that make sense? On day seven, God rested. But that resting... It's just from the first creation. All of the first creation was just inside maybe day one. 
of the new creation. God doing the earth, finishing and resting, was part of his working to bring you into the glory. Does that make sense? So God was processing salvation for eternity. He cannot give you rest when the rest has not happened. I'm still working. I'm still busy. Until you are saved and you return to sonship. I'm busy. Until you are restored to what you lost. I'm busy. Working on the new creation. But after physical walking for six days, I rested physically on the seventh day. So you too, you walk physically for six days. Eh? Seven days, you rest. Day one, you continue walking. What of us are walking? Yes, sir. All of us. I can't give you what I don't have. So you couldn't have a permanent day of rest. You walk on the seventh day. Jesus came on whatever you want to call it. Day six, day five. Jesus came doing what? Walking. John 9. You see who's walking? He was walking. John 9, 4. If I go from verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Verse 2. His disciples asked him, say, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or, or his parents that he must born blind? Verse 3. Jesus answered and said, neither this man or his parents had sinned, but that the works of God be revealed in him. Verse 4. I must walk the works of him. Who sent me? Why did his day? Night is coming. In other, in other words, this day is finishing. Night, night is the end of day. Night is coming. Night is the end of day. Whose work was Jesus walking? Who sent him? Whose work was Jesus walking? God. Who was walking? Now you say, okay, uh, well, how is this so? Now we'll show you John 5. Who was walking? John 5, 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to please say on the Sabbath. Not that he had done these things, but he had done them on the day that nobody should be doing anything. So stay with me. Stay on this verse. I told you, I said, you only have Sabbath because God is not resting. No. God only rested from physical creation. Yes, sir. Yes. But new creation, getting you born again, the work was ongoing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. God cannot be walking and you are resting. So since I rested physically on day seven, you too physically on day seven, you will rest. But the final rest, we know we are still working on it. Yes, now, for the Jew, this Sabbath signified what? A day of no walking because God did not work. Yet Jesus came and healed on the Sabbath because God was even on the Sabbath. Because Sabbath, Sabbath is nothing. That's what Jesus told them. He said, The God is Lord of the Sabbath. I have not stopped perfecting the work of salvation because it's your physical day seven. I don't respect your day seven. I'm busy. On the Sabbath, the day of rest. See verse, the next seven, verse 17. Jesus answered them. My father's God. 
Until now. King James. All King James. I walk at Heater too. And I walk. We are talking real walk. You are talking Sabbath. Into something. Yes, sir. I'm not going to stop that because it's your Sabbath. Yes, sir. My father is working until now. My father is working. Therefore, I walk. Sabbath? Oh no, Sabbath. John 19. It's 28. Sit down if you can. <laughs> Stand if you can't. <laughs> Hold on. Go to John 4. I'll show you one more. Go to John 4, 31. In the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. 33. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anybody brought him anything to eat? See, 34, please mock. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. God is doing something he has not finished. My father's walking, I'm walking. And my meat is to do his will and finish his work. So there cannot be said to be eternal or perpetual Sabbath until God finish work. And as we can see, he did not finish work in Genesis 2. From Genesis 1, creation, Right until Jesus came, he said, my father has been walking. Me, I'm walking. Me, I'm walking. <laughs> the word finished there is the word tell also. Tell also. Tell also. That's the word to fit. And it means to bring to an end, to complete and to perfect. That's the word finished. Remember it was said of God in Genesis 2? That when the work finished... He now put an end to his work. Hmm? John 5, 36. John 5. Give me, give me, yeah, 36 is fine. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which my father has given me to, the very works that I do, bear witness of me. The works of my father that he gave me to bring to completion. The works that my father gave me that if I finish that work now, my father can finally cease and desist. The very works I'm doing. John 19, 28 to 30. Someone say, I have rest. Is it growing? Is it growing? Is it growing? The understanding is growing. I have rest from. Full stop. Jonathan, I have rest from. See, this is where Nigerian parlance makes sense. You say, oh, my papa finished work. John 19, 28. Jesus, knowing that all things were now, he was ready to go to the cross. After knowing that all things accomplished. Go back, go back, 28, 28. 
when I accomplish that the scripture might be fulfilled, knowing that it is now accomplished, that scripture might be fulfilled, knowing that he's finishing the work, he now said, I thirst. This was Jesus on the cross. Don't finish work. Hold on. Tell also to complete, bring to completion. Knowing that he had accomplished it, said, I'm thirsty. 29. Now, a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Watch this carefully, verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, So when Jesus said, it is finished, what did he mean? What is finished? Whose work is finished? If Sabbath was temporal, Sabbath did not stop God working because God was working something. Whatever God was working was the work of God. Jesus said he came to do that work. Now we don't even, we don't even have to know what the work is. Jesus said, I'm doing my father's work. And then on the cross, he said, the work is finished. The work is finished. Rest. Rest from my enemies. Who died on the cross? My sin and my sin. Hell and death. So what did Jesus do to my enemies? He annihilated them the way Israel used to annihilate their enemies. So it turns out Israel killing their enemies was just to show how Jesus. Will massacre his enemies. Now, Israel went to war with knife and, 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 and grenades and spears. Jesus carried the enemies on himself. Now, you, you, you are fighting your enemies. Jesus carried, you, have you seen those movies where somebody wants to kill somebody and the person is trying to o- overpower them? They throw the, themselves and the person through the window. We, are, we die together. You know why? You know why? He, you know why he said that? We died together because you know earlier on he had told them. He said nobody takes my life from me. He said I have the power to put it down. I have the power. So he said we all died together. Only one person can rise. Because Satan did not understand. Say act or no, they die for free. We can jump together, lie on the ground. The boss don't die. Especially actor like actor like Van Damme, and then Bruce Willis. See, eh? Bruce Willis. They will beat the crap out of him. They will beat Bruce Willis. Silly. Three days later. Stretch. 
name is Sehafa. <laughs> Then they announce death. Where is your sin? <laughs> Grave, you are still here. Where is your victory? We all died. I rose. And he made a clear declaration. It is. What follows that declaration is rest. Because the war is over. So therefore, in the same way that you cannot be without sin and then not have peace, in the same way any believer in Christ Jesus who is not at rest, is trying to walk a walk that God completed in Christ. Sit down if you can. Let me finish this. Help me. Sit down. Let me finish this. If you are in Christ Jesus and you are not at rest, it means you are walking. You see why religion is so evil? Because religion keeps you busy walking the walk that is finished. Must be careful. What kind of church? What kind of church? What kind of church? What kind of vineyard? What kind of vineyard? What kind of vineyard? It is finished. Who planted the vineyard? He planted it and gave it to you to grow it. Religion keeps you busy working. Any believer in Christ Jesus who is not at rest is trying to work a work that is finished. Because just as you did not fight for the peace, you did not walk for the rest. <laughs> just as you did not fight for the peace, so also you did not walk for the rest. All you need to do really is to be conscious of the rest. The process that led to the rest and what the rest implies for you. The man walked because his father, he said, my father is walking, I'm walking. All of us now walk with him. Walk with him. You think this is a small matter? You think restoring you to glory is, is child's play? You tell me I cannot do it on the Sabbath. For what? It's the Sabbath I'm trying to bring about. The Sabbath. I'm walking the Sabbath. I'm walking the Sabbath. I am 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 walking the Sabbath. I'm bringing about the Sabbath. You tell me I can't do it because you have a. Do you know what day seven is? That's what he told them when he says, The Lord is Lord of the Sabbath. Who was made for who? Was the Sabbath made for man or was the man made for the Sabbath? Because they, didn't, they were keeping the Sabbath. They didn't understand what the Sabbath was. They're talking to the Do you know what day seven is? Do you know what day it is? You don't even know. I'm walking because it's day. Night is coming. 
They're telling me day seven. Do you know what day seven is? I should not work because it's completed. Do you know what is completed? So any believer now that is struggling with rest in trying to keep the Sabbath or in trying to keep working and doesn't have rest, does not understand that Christ is our Sabbath. Somebody broke the Sabbath. They caught the guy and brought him to Joshua and said, this guy broke the Sabbath, but nothing is said of what should be done. He says, Numbers 15. Numbers 15, yes, it's Numbers 15. Numbers 15. Hallelujah. Christ, my Sabbath. Oh. I cannot be disturbed. Though the mountains be cast into the sea. There's river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Unrest is not my portion. Are you hearing me, believer? It's not your portion. Can't be walking when he walked to bring me into rest. How am I doing? Why that is dangerous? In a few minutes. Numbers 15, verse 32. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Basically, they found somebody walking. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to, the old, and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not yet been explained what should be done to him. 35. The Lord said to Moses, that man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. That's very harsh. Why? Because the guy walked for himself on the day of rest. What happened to him? He died. What does Hebrews call that in Hebrews 6.1? Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, leaving discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from as a believer, one of the things you must repent from is trying to walk when you should be resting. He's dead. He's dead. Walks that spring from death and therefore walks that tend to death. Somebody walked at rest and died. Dead walks. So consciousness of rest is understanding I cannot even think of walking for what Jesus walked. Egokini. So a lot of believers are burnt out and dead. Because they are trapped in trying to walk the works of God that Jesus walked and said is finished. Have you noticed that that's why nobody is ever successfully delivered once? Why? Because they are trapped in the physical Sabbath of salvation. Recurrent. Hallelujah for your freedom. Day seven. Day one they come. You go walk again. Okay, we, we cast out this demon. Another demon is coming. We don't deliver you. Hallelujah. You are free. Next month's revival service. Another demon is manifesting. 
Nobody is in the deliverance circles. Nobody is ever delivered once. Every time you're casting demons. Every time you're possessed. Every time you're oppressed. Every time. Rest. You are stuck in the man Sabbath. Not the God Sabbath. You are stuck in the recurrent Sabbath. It's never enough. You need to believe God more, my brother. You need to increase your faith, my sister. You need to increase your service. You need to pray harder. Hannah prayed. She could not talk. You know, Elijah prayed. Jasha, whichever. Isha. Isha that prayed. No, it's Ja. I prayed. I tied his legs. Prayed. You have to pray more. You have to move heaven. So you are trapped in the circle of works that lead to death. Why do we say it's works from death that tends to death? Because every time you're walking, you're trying to keep the law. The end result of keeping the law is death. Second Corinthians 3.7 calls the law the ministry of death. Dead works. So you see why that guy had to be stoned? Can people be resting and walking? What are you trying to walk? What stick do you want to gather on day seven that has not been gathered for you from day one to six? You now get up and say, the death of Christ is not enough. You want to now crucify yourself. He was gathering. He was gathering wood. Implying he was preparing for a sacrifice. He walked and finished. You now get up and want to walk. You want to pay for your own. And you will not die. Religion is wicked. Try, strive, do this, do the other, do that. He is our Sabbath. He's our eternal perpetual rest. If we come into God to walk, we might as well stay outside God and keep walking. At least out there, I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have to fear anything. I don't have to. Do you understand what I'm saying? I just do what I like. Like they were doing what they like, Deuteronomy 10. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I do what I like. Why should I come to God and be walking? Why should I work for somebody when I can freelance? Why? I might as well stay out and be freelancing. The whole idea of the pool of salvation is I have done the work. So the shepherd says, Thou preparest the table for me in the presence. Sin is looking at you, can't do nothing to you. Death is looking at you, can't do nothing to you because they lost their sting. They lost the victory. Table for you in the presence of your enemies. It's rest. Don't dare to walk the walk he already did. If you have been doing it, repent of it now. It's dead works. Now, 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 repent of it. You sit down, bask, settle, 
seized and deceased. Enter what God did himself. Him and Jesus. My father's walking, I'm walking. I'm, I'm walking his walk. The walks he sent me to walk. It's finished. And he got up from the cross. Fried grilled fish for them. You know, encouraged them for 40 days. Checked out. Why? Walk, don't finish. Why did he not cast out demons after he resurrected? Why? Done. Because he was done. The coming of Christ was the ushering in of day seven. That's why the only night that is left now is the night at the end of day seven. Evening and morning, the day. The night is coming and now takes us now into the day of the Lord. We are in day seven. We're in day seven. We're at rest. Because he is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. That's why he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's correct. It makes sense why, of all the things he could say, he chose to say it is finished. Now I can end my message in Hebrews 4, verse 1 in the TPT. I'm done. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 now will make sense to you. Now God has in confident faith of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely sounds like consciousness to me. We must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail. To experience it. You cannot be you cannot fail to experience the rest of God. You cannot. 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 You cannot. Must not fail to experience it. Next verse. For we have all heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did, that's Israel now, who was keeping the physical Sabbath. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. Keep going. For those of us who believe, for those of us who believe, for those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of Now, now, now he said about the Israelites, I was grieved with them and made a solemn oath. Look at this carefully. See why the Sabbath, Holy Spirit. For he said, they will never enter into. So the reason why the Sabbath stayed was because they were not getting the rest of God. 
Now, we who have entered rest cannot be keeping the same ordinance with those who did not have it. See the next line looking at you straight in the face. God's works have all been completed. Keep going. From the foundation of the world. Uh huh. Keep going. For it says in the scriptures, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Keep going. And again, as it stated before, they will never enter into my coming place of, place of rest. Six. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. It gets better. For God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called for it was long afterwards that God repeated it in David's words if only today you will listen to his voice and do not harden in your heart verse 8 now if this promise of rest look at this carefully was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest If Israel had entered rest, why will God be talking about a rest that's coming? Next verse, verse 9. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. Verse 2 says, ensure carefully that you don't fail to experience it. So if you don't experience it, it's because you are not conscious of it. You're not conscious of it. Next verse. See now. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we what? Cease. We what? We what? Cease from our own works. Just as God celebrated his finished works. Hold on. Hold on. I saw your face when we saw a few verses ago. I thought he said God finished his work on the seventh day. Did you not see where it said he finished his works from the foundation of the world? So the rest he was referring to was not creation's rest in Genesis 2. Stay with me now. Stay with me. Stay with me. It's not the rest of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Okay, Pap, if it's not the rest of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 that God rested from the foundation of the world, what rest was it that he finished walking from the foundation of the world? Be, be, the Lamb of God was slain when? The Lamb of God was slain when? That is the walk that God rested from, from the foundation of the world. Hebrews 4 is not referring to creation. It's referring to redemption that was finished that then needed to be played out starting with creation. Redemption that had finished, complete. Finished, God finished it. Now use creation to play it out. Let's add the drama. Yeah, Let's visualize this narrative tangibly. And the foundation 
he finished the work. Rested. Did not say playing out. We not say working it out. What has been worked? So when they went to that faith rest, pin back in verse 10. I'm done. He celebrates his finished works and rests in them. Verse 11. So then, so then, we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. So the only distance from you to absolute rest is your lack of faith. Your refusal to understand, I don't need to do anything. That is religion's biggest hold. Are you now saying Are you now saying I don't need to do anything? No, we are not now saying. The word is now saying today. You mean I can just enter it just like that? Just like that. Just as it sounds. Just like that. Because if you're working for it, you're dead. If you're gathering streaks when you should be resting, you're dead. It's dead works. It's a ministry of death. We are called into rest. Not in what we shall do. Not even in what God shall do. Or what God has already done, finished and completed. And all you're doing is basking in the realm of the faith rest life. You're conscious of it. That my peace brought me into his rest. So you can't be troubled. You can't be worried. You can't be distressed. You can't be confused. You can't be running from pillar to post. Let the heathen rage. I have peace, so I am at rest. Are you hearing me? I have peace, so I am. God finished in all he did, includes everything I need for life and godliness. Second Peter 1, 2. Second Peter 1, 2 and 3. As his divine power has given us all things. Give me, give me the new King James. Grace and peace multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord and Jesus our Lord. Go on. As his divine power has given us. Somebody say has given. Not will give. Not is given. Has given. That's why it's a finished work. All you need to do is be conscious of it. Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I have all things. I lack nothing. All things are mine. I have all sufficiency in all things. I abound unto every good work. In Christ Jesus, I am working for nothing. In Christ Jesus, I am not working for nothing. 
Because the work is completed. Because the work is completed. It was the father's work. It was the son's work. It was the spirit's work. I am the result. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply puts or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.